Well, good afternoon, everyone. Good to be with you today. I'm wearing Savior's tie down Cincinnati. Uh, Jason Gloyd, who is my Southwest Ohio uh, District Rep, went to Xavier, and I want to give a shout out to Jason's aunt and uncle, uh, Don and Janet Hadley. Uh, they've both been ill. I believe they're both in the hospital. Uh, we just want to wish you guys all, all the best, and Jason is doing a great job for uh, the people of the state of Ohio. also want to give a shout out to uh, Another Xavier grad, Charlie Norman, who is our Registrar of Motor Vehicles. And I know we have a lot of other friends out there who are, who are Xavier grads as well. I want to thank everyone uh, for all the great work everyone is doing across the state of Ohio. This has really been a time when people have, have truly come together. Um, some of you are individual volunteers, uh, such as Alan Snowden, who is our state information technology team on our team. Uh, he's using his own 3D printers and materials to help make parts for face shields for our medical frontline workers. Uh, there are small companies and big companies making parts, new machines, producing in-demand products, so many people pulling together. Uh, there's our Ohio Manufacturing Alliance, which has coordinated 19 manufacturers coming together to partner with three hospital groups to make up to one million face shields to protect our first responders. Uh, this is the Ohio way. And so let's take a look at a video now that highlights these efforts.
all those companies doing amazing things and all the people, all the Ohioans who are working there and do it, doing that. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of them. Uh, that is just great. Uh, I have to think that there are some people sad to see the first set there uh, when uh, hand sanitizer was being made instead of the, the liquor, but uh, you know, now's the time to pull together and get the sanitizer. So anyway, uh, good, good work, uh, Ohioans. So today, um, our new order goes into uh, effect, and uh, it's Stay Safe Ohio. And this is something that we have talked about, um, not much new in there really that we had not already talked about here, that John and I had talked about and, and Dr. Acton. But I do want to indicate uh, that um, the name, because the name is important, Stay Safe Ohio, uh, not, not a stay-at-home order. Uh, and so we've reached a new stage. Um, and I think that's good news for, for everybody. Doesn't mean we, doesn't mean the virus has gone away. Doesn't mean we don't have to uh, exercise good judgment. Uh, doesn't mean the basic principles that we've been talking about don't still apply. Uh, they very, very much still apply. Uh, distance is probably most important. Uh, wearing some facial covering if you're out in, 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 in public is, is certainly good practice. Um, sanitation. The things that we we all have, have have been talking about those things still very very much apply uh, every Ohioan has to make their own decision based on their medical condition uh, based on a lot of things who they're taking care of um, so these are individual decisions but there is a reason uh, it's no longer a stay-at-home order it is a stay safe Ohio order and again uh, we need to do those things that that we need to do uh, the virus is, as I said, still very, very much out there. But let me kind of recap and, and talk about a few things in this order. As I said, we've talked about this before. I don't think there's much new really in here uh, or, or any huge surprises. Uh, first of all, it does have a date, an expiration date of uh, May 29th. Uh, you should not read anything really into that because a lot of things we're going to be doing in the month of May as we open things up in May. We're going to talk about these in a minute. Um, so the order itself will be superseded as we issue new orders throughout the month. Uh, you just have to put a date on it. Uh, didn't want to put an un unending date. Uh, we wanted to have a date certain. Uh, but as I said, things will change. So no one should be too fixated on whatever the, that date is. Um, a lot of things I said will happen during the month uh, of May. Uh, we will open a number of things up uh, in Ohio. And I want to talk about how we're doing this because the how is very important. And this is something that I have learned to do and found to be so very, very helpful uh, for almost the last decade, uh, starting when I was the became Attorney General of Ohio. And that is, I always figure there's people out here who, who know a lot more than I do, uh, and we try to bring them together. And so what we have done, uh, and we'll go through each one of, one of these things that we're going to be opening up, but in each case, we brought together people who know that particular industry, 
know that particular business, know that particular trade. People who do this themselves. For example, uh, we, we put together a, a group uh, to look at, you know, when and how we can safely open our barbershops. Um, we brought people together who, that's what they do, uh, whether it's a small shop, big shop, uh, we, we've brought them together and they're starting this, these conversations and carrying that on. So bringing people together who understand how you run it, how you can practically run it and do things as safely, as safely as humanly possible. And that's what our goal is in bringing all these, these folks together. Um, why is that important? Uh, let, me, let me talk a moment about that. Um, and why do we do it that way? A couple of things are obvious. We want to keep employees safe who are working in these businesses. Number two, uh, for those businesses that have customers that come in, we want to keep those customers safe. Uh, and the third thing is, if that business is, is going to thrive, if people are going to come in, uh, if customers are going to be there, people have to feel, public has to feel that every precaution is being taken, every safety measure is being taken. Because everybody knows the, the virus is still out there. It's not gone away. But having that public confidence is absolutely essential for businesses to be able to come back and to make it. And so the how of how we roll this out is so very, very important. We have to engender confidence uh, and let people know that it is safe. It is safe, uh, as safe as it can be made. Fire's still there, but it's as safe as it can be made uh, to go back out and, and go to restaurants or, or, or whatever the case may be. So I want, I want to go through this, this kind of the timeline here a little bit. Uh, today, as we indicated, hospitals, uh, dentists, uh, veterinar veterinarians um, are f much more f fuller open, uh, kind of bad English, but they're much more open uh, and are pretty much doing what they were doing uh, before um, the coronavirus came on the scene. And so that starts today. Uh, people will have the opportunity to catch up on some things that, in the, from the medical point of view, have been postponed. And again, I would emphasize some of these things have not been ever stopped, uh, but we've seen a downtick. Uh, well baby clinics, uh, getting people getting checkups. Those have gone down. They don't have to go down. We would encourage people to kind of catch back up on where you need to be from a medical uh, point of view. On Monday, this coming Monday, uh, offices, industry, construction, uh, those that are not open will be allowed to open. Again, I think you're going to see many companies with offices are going to continue to have people work from home. Um, again, we put a group together. Uh, this one was led uh, by Frank Sullivan and a number of business men, women across the state of Ohio. They came up with the best practices. Uh, these best practices will now apply to any of these, any of these companies uh, that have been open. Uh, some were deemed essential. Uh, that designation is now gone. Uh, and as everybody starts back, everybody will have these same guidelines, best practices, so that we can do everything we can to ensure the employees are, in, in fact, safe. So that's Monday. Uh, 
uh, May 12th is retail. Um, and we're also doing something right now. And this is in really as a result of requests uh, by, by retailers who said, look, um, I got some critical days coming up. Uh, some things are happening, and uh, this is a good time for us to make sales. So can you let us schedule appointments? So we're letting people schedule appointments. Uh, retail can do that if, the, if it's a, a, like a jewelry store or something like that where it would make sense to do a furniture store. Uh, they, can, they can do that, and they can do that by appointment right now. Uh, and you'll be hearing, I'm sure, in advertising uh, uh, from different companies about that. Um, so that is something they can do. Uh, curbside, uh, John talked about that, I think, the other day. They can do curbside if, if that retail business um, um, lends itself to that type of activity. But we also have put together uh, working groups to, again, the same principle, taking business people, health people, putting them together, and letting them come up with best practices that are that are actually will work. Uh, and so we have a restaurant group uh, that I believe is having calls uh, this weekend, John? Start today. Start today. Uh, we have a hair group. Uh, we're all ready for that, I think. Uh, they, are, they are starting to work and pulling together. Um, we miss our libraries, and so we're putting people, librarians and others, to take a look at this. How could this work? Um, travel and tourism would be another working group being put together. Outdoor recreation, another working group that we are putting together, again, from people who understand the indust those industries. Um, sports, adult sports, youth sports, another group. Our gyms. Um, I know many people go to gyms, they miss their gym, um, putting a working group together. Theater and arts is another one, professional sports is another one, child care is another one. We hear, obviously we're hearing a lot about that, working group coming together for that, adult daycare. Uh, and there will be more. Now, some of these will come on fairly quickly. Uh, we're looking uh, to, for restaurants, uh, once we get the best practices up, we'll set the date, we're going to do the same thing. Uh, for hair uh, and set a date. And again, the goal is to take people who understand that work, put them together uh, with other experts, come up with a way that will actually work best practices so when you go into that place, uh, you know that the best practices are in fact being followed. Um, my fellow Ohioans, we can do two things at once. Um, we can do it. We can stay safe. We can protect each other. Uh, we can protect our most vulnerable. Uh, and at the same time, move our business back and get, get people back to work. Um, let me be real, real candid. Uh, to be able to do this and to continue to move forward, uh, in the way that we want to do and not have to backtrack, uh, I need your help. Uh, I don't think that's going to be hard. Um, Ohioans have done an amazing job um, in coming together, amazing job uh, in, as Dr. Atkins says, flattening the curve, staying home, 
doing things that matter. Distance, the most important, and masks, doing other things. Um, so we need to continue to do these things. We need to continue to be careful. We need to continue to look out for people who are more vulnerable, people who have a medical problem, people who are over 60, 65 years, years of age. And again, that is a responsibility that each one of us has as we go through this. So all the, all the things that we have been doing. So we're on two tracks. And if we can do this, uh, continue, continue doing what you have been doing, um, we will make it and things will continue to be able to be opened up. We won't have to backtrack. We don't want a huge spike where we have a huge, huge problem and, and, and we have to go, go deal with that. Uh, we're going to watch the health numbers. Um, you know, one of the key indicators is hospitalizations. Um, doctor, we're going to actually move these charts, not today, I don't think, but what we want you to see and what I want to see uh, every day is maybe a 20-day maybe a or 30-day model so we can just see where things are going. We'll keep the same other ones that you've been seeing, the five-day, but we want to kind of get the, 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 big, the big picture as we, move, as we move forward. And if we can keep those numbers down, we're going to rock and roll. We'll keep moving. Um, I know this is tough. Uh, and I, you know, don't want to get too emotional, but, uh, you know, Fran and I have uh, 24 grandchildren. Uh, we have eight children. Um, you know, we miss being able to go see them. Uh, we have four that live close to us. We walk over there and we kind of wave through the window or stand way back. Uh, but, you know, we can't hug them. Uh, we can't get in the car and go see some of the other ones who are a ways away. Um, this, is, this is not easy. Uh, it's not easy for, for any, any of us. Um, but this is not going to last forever. Uh, you know, encouraging news. I'm not the doctor. I'm not going to get into how fast we'll have a vaccine. But people are working frantically to do it. Um, so this is not going to last forever. Um, and we have to continue to do what we, what we need to do. I get it. Uh, I understand that there are some of you out there who think we're not moving near fast enough. There's some of you out there uh, who think just the opposite. He's going much too fast. We're trying to get it right. We're trying to do two things at once. We're trying not to have to go back, roll the clock back, regress. We want to always continue to, to move forward. We brought other things into play that we didn't have before. We've got the testing. We'll talk about the testing on Monday and outline exactly how this testing and what it's going to enable us to do. And it's a tool, no more than a tool, but a very significant tool. The tracing. These things are all, all important. Um, what is important, and again, I would ask you all to remember, is that we are all in this together. And what each one of us does uh, not only inf impacts us, our families, 
but in many cases, total strangers, uh, people we, we don't even know. And so whether we like it or not, um, we, we are in this together, and, and our, act, our collective actions matter a great deal. Uh, and I don't have any doubt that you understand that because I know this is what you, you, you have been doing. So um, we've got to stay together. Um, we are one state. Look, I, I know some folks have suggested, well, if we take this county and the numbers here in this county aren't, aren't as bad or this is a more rural county or, or, or this. Once you start down that pathway, there's no, there's no stopping and there's no end to it. And then all you end up doing, the county that opens back up more, there's a rush of people from other counties. Take an urban county, and then it's got a rural county very close. People are going to roll from that into that rural county if it is, if it is opened up. It would be a disaster for this state. Um, the end is in sight. <laughs> the end is in sight. We, we see daylight. Not the end of the virus, but the ability to get back to normal. Now, I went through that long list. There are some things that are not going to happen as soon as others. And I think you kind of know what those are. Um, things that we can't control distancing. Things where we're bringing large groups of people together. Let me just say something again about, about that. You know, if we start doing that, it's not good. And, and so we've got to continue to stay focused, continue to stay disciplined. Uh, and we can do that and start our businesses back up and get people to work. There is a cost. There's a medical cost. There's a social cost when an economy goes down as fast as this economy has gone down because of the coronavirus. We know that. And we also know that no matter what I do or John does or Dr. Acton or any of us all together, any of the legislature, anything, that this is not going to come back quickly. Uh, but we've got to give businesses a chance to do that. Uh, at the same time, we've got to give people the chance to, to, to go out. And we are on a pathway, a pathway, uh, a very good pathway, and a responsible pathway uh, to, to do that. Uh, I know that it's easy to get upset. People have been in their homes a long time. People have not been doing some of the things they want to do. Um, each one of us misses different things. Uh, and, and I get it. But we have to stick together. Uh, we have to do as Abraham Lincoln said in an oft-quoted uh, speech. And he referred to the better angels of our nature. Uh, and so we have to appeal, I think, each one of us to the better nature, uh, better angel of, uh, of our nature. The better angels of our nature is, is what Lincoln talked about. Uh, and, and somehow it strikes, it really strikes a chord, I think, for all of us. Um, we're Ohioans. We may disagree. We've got a pathway. Let's keep going. Let's do it responsibly. Let's keep our people safe. Uh, let's get our businesses back open. Uh, let's, let's move forward. Uh, so I, again, appreciate 
what everyone has done because people have made some real, real sacrifices and continue to make those. John. Thanks, Governor. Um, I know that some of the things that I will say will seem somewhat redundant to what the governor said. Um, but I have spent a lot of time uh, talking with businesses and health officials and uh, as many hours as I can stay awake in a day, that's what we're doing. Uh, and we're listening and trying to come up with a plan that balances all of these competing health and economic and just personal freedoms uh, interests. And, you know, the governor started here. I'm going to start here. The, what was the stay at home order is now the stay safe Ohio order. The change in verbiage was for a reason. Uh, it represents, it was intentional. It, it represents a transition to a next phase of how we're going to live our lives. Uh, we know that people are starting to go out more. Uh, we know the safest place for them is at home, but when they go out under the new, uh, particularly under the new uh, opportunities that are made available in the order, we want to make sure that they have the best knowledge possible and the best standards for the state to help people stay safe. Uh, we recognize the reality of this transition. I know when I woke up this morning, some of the immediate questions that I that I had that people were asking me was, you know, why May 29th? And the governor touched on this. If we hadn't put a date in there, then people would have thought it would have gone on forever. And that's not the intention. It's don't focus on that date because there's so many things that are going to happen between now and then. Uh, there's so many things that we are working on that will will change between now and May 29th and you know we're we're here at the first day of May and uh, and and I think we all have great aspirations for what can happen during this month and and I believe it can I believe it can I believe we can do lots of great things to move us to where I think we'll, people will be comfortable that they're safe but they also will begin to enjoy both more of their economic and personal freedoms that that uh, we've come to know in our lives um, it's worth emphasizing that in this order, most of the economy is opened up uh, with safety standards in place, again, creating that balance for employees and customers and, and really what businesses can do to actually comply, uh, whether that's manufacturing, construction, distribution, research, development, you go on. Uh, essentially, what's gone is the word essential. Uh, we no longer use the words essential, non-essential. That's gone uh, from from this conversation. We've moved on. Uh, I uh, know the governor touched on curbside pickup and appointment are available for retail during this transition period between now and May 12th. And we know that uh, a lot of uh, small business owners uh, were, were really you know, saying, look, we can do this safely and, and we believe you can. And, and, and that is uh, part of the transition. And we are going to be working Starting today, we're going to start doing the calls today on the personal care side and on the restaurant side to get the best recommendations from the industry to make sure that we get the how right so that when it starts and that we know exactly what the standards should be. We've talked to everybody across the landscape uh, of, of those industries so that we know how they can do it, that it's practical, 
and it will work. Uh, and I know the governor mentioned this, but I'm going to say again, this, and we know that there's also other issues like daycare, sporting activities, youth programs, travel and tourism, all of these things that are, that are right now not allowed under the order, they are currently under consideration for that how part uh, as we move through May. Um, the, the uh, I just want to say this, it's kind of on a personal note that while we know that the uh, safer, uh, the, the safer Ohio order uh, does have the power of law, I don't expect that all Ohioans will do the right thing just because it says so. Um, uh, we have to set a standard and we want people to meet that standard. We had to set a standard for people to follow, follow to protect the vulnerable. You may not deem yourself as vulnerable, but there are a lot of people out there who are, and this is designed to protect them. Um, and it's how we collectively get through this sooner uh, so that we can get on to the next phases of reopening and rolling back the restrictions. It's incredibly important to be able to do phase one uh, correctly so that we can move on to these other issues. And, and I, you know, I do want to say that I get a lot of questions about, well, do I need to do this or do you need that? You understand what the spirit of this is about. Understand the spirit of what the order is about. It's about our collective responsibility to one another. And I don't expect that if you forgot to wear your mask that the health department is going to come knocking on the door uh, to, to find you for it, okay? That's not what it's about. It's about setting a standard that we can all live by uh, and get through this, pay, this phase, this period, so that we can, we can move forward. And, um, but local officials, your local health departments, do need standards in place. That's why you have to have an order, so that if there are egregious violators, that they can hold them accountable. You have to have standards for those circumstances. And I want to reiterate something that the governor said. He, he, he kind of issued all of us a challenge, in the sense that he says that we can go faster if we keep the numbers down, if we keep the health numbers looking good, we can go faster. And we will slow the spread of coronavirus. We do that. We know we will do that. We have seen it work. You have done this already. We just need to stick with this so that we can have the confidence that these other things are going to work. Uh, and they are going to work if we just stick to it. Uh, we, all, we all play a role in making that happen. And I do want to say that, you know, personally, I don't enjoy wearing a mask. I, I don't. Uh, I don't enjoy wearing a mask. I know most of you don't wa enjoy wearing a mask, but I'm going to wear a mask, not just because of the order, not just because of the order, but because there are a lot of people in my life that I care about who are vulnerable, that if I got it and I passed it along to them, it could be life-threatening, and I consider it my personal responsibility to do so, to protect them to not give it to somebody else who could go home and infect their, love, infect their loved one and cost them uh, their lives. Uh, it is my personal responsibility to do that, and I believe it's all of our responsibility to do these things that we know protect each other. Uh, and that's what this is about. Um, make no mistake, and we understand this, we understand the uncertainty is tough. Uh, when you don't know when the end is coming, it's really hard to plan for it. Whether you're a business or a person who's just struggling with this, 
Um, uncertainty in some ways is the, the hardest part. But it is our intent uh, to do two things at once, to keep people safe and open things back up. Governor said this several occasions. We can do both. Uh, we not only can do both, we know we must do both, and I believe that what we're outlining here allows us to do that. We all have to hang in there together for a little bit longer. I know that we're all being asked to do things that in many cases we don't want to do, but I know if we do them that we will get through this faster and healthier and better. And, and we understand uh, our responsibility to bring that to you as soon as possible, and we will work to do just that. Governor? Thanks, John. Dr. Acton. Thank you. Thank you both. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'll start with the numbers. Today in Ohio, we now know that we have 18,743 cases. That's an increase of 716 since yesterday. Um, and we do know our hospitalizations are at about 3,600. Um, and, and today our deaths did pass that 1,000 mark. We are now at 1,002 Ohioans who have lost their lives to coronavirus. Next slide, Eric. Thank you. Um, and I would say in our numbers, they continue to look pretty much the same in terms of statistics. Nothing new that is standing out to me today. Trend-wise, our next slide. So as the governor said, you know, we've been doing five-day trends. Um, we know that to follow this virus and its impacts, we're going to make that a little longer so we get a better view. One of the reasons I noticed that our cases are up, but I think it might be important to kind of see where we came from. They're slightly up. I think we need a little bit longer view. Um, our deaths, uh, again, had that peak, but we knew a lot were reported that day. Um, but hospitalizations are up. Um, they are at uh, a little over, let's see, today was 101, and I believe a week ago um, they were around 63. So when we've had five days, the five days have shown that hospitals have sort of stepped up a bit, but that's plateaued for the five-day period. And then our ICU admissions are at about average. Again, overall plateaued a little bit up on our hospitalizations. So that would be our numbers. Um, I want to just say I um, really appreciate the remarks of both the governor and the lieutenant governor. Uh, I know that this time continues to be very difficult just for the reasons the lieutenant governor said. It is the uncertainty um, of something like this virus that makes it so incredibly difficult. We, we receive a lot of calls. I've received a lot of letters um, throughout this. I can't read every single one. My staff reads them all, but I read some, and I just want you to know that we listen. We hear you. If there's a hallmark of this administration that I could tell you about is that their goal is to listen and hear every Ohioan. And I think one of the things that stood out to me today was the feeling of that uncertainty. How do I plan for that thing that was going to be in August? Can't you just tell me what that will look like? And I think what we heard today is when we stick together, I feel that 
we are finding that sweet, sweet spot that helps propel us forward together. And it's not an easy road. It's still asking more of us. But we are moving forward, as the Lieutenant Governor said. He said we must and can do two things at one time. And I believe, I believe more than ever today, um, in listening to the people I have the great honor of advising, let we will do this together. And Ohioans, I believe you will do this together. We will advance as fast as possible, and we will take care of one another. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Acton. Looks like Mr. Adi is uh, on deck circle. Box. A question about shopping when we get to May 12th. Can I go shopping because I just feel like going shopping? I've been cooped up on my house for a very long time. I may not need anything, but I like to go shopping. That's what the question we're getting from people. Will I have the freedom to do it, even though that may not be essential? What do you think? Uh, Jim, your, your mic was not turned off for the first part, but I think I got it. Uh, people who want to go shopping. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we have that. They can today, uh, if they want to go to a jewelry store, they can call, make an appointment to go do that. Uh, in 11 days from now, they'll be able to uh, go to any store that, that, that is open. Uh, and there should be a lot of retail stores open throughout the state of Ohio. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's coming, uh, and they will be able to do that. And, again, we have the best practices, and, and we believe that this – Every store that will be open uh, will be following uh, the best practice uh, as outlined in an, by a group of their peers that determined these were the best practices, and people will be able to be assured of the safety um, in regard to that, which we, we believe is a very good thing. Thank you, Governor. Hi, Governor. Jack Windsor, WMFD-TV, Mansfield. Uh, my question is for you. Uh, the new order has a long list of rules, um, and it seems that regardless of what it's called, the order can be mandated because we are in a state of an emergency. Governor, you're an attorney. Uh, my question is, what direct evidence do you have, not circumstantial, but direct evidence, to justify continuing in a state of an emergency? And what's the measure measurable criteria? Is it one death is too many? Is it 25 percent unemployment? Is it seniors who have lost complete physical contact with loved ones, many of them who will perish without ever seeing or touching family members again? Or is it the two-week decline in hospitalizations that you talked about on national TV just a couple days ago? So what direct evidence can you point viewers to that justifies staying in the state of emergency? Thank you. Well, Jack, I'm sure you're a lot better lawyer than, than I am. Um, we have... We're in the midst of a pandemic. Um, Dr. Acton talked about over a thousand people dead. Uh, we've talked about the number of people uh, who have been hospitalized. Uh, so this is this is certainly a crisis. Um, but we know that there are people hurting out there, not just because of the pandemic, but they're hurting because of poverty. They're hurting because they're unemployed, and that's why we're pushing to get us back open just as fast as we can. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that. We have to balance public safety, but at the same time, we know that uh, we want to open things up. And if you look at the order itself, not just the title, 
But if you look at what's in there, um, the spirit of this is really uh, trying to make sure that people have confidence when they go out, that the business they walk into is practicing the best things that they can practice. People have a right to know that during a pandemic, a very difficult and unusual uh, period of, of our time. We think um, with the help of a lot of people uh, in each one of those industries that they've been able to, to help us do that. Jim Province with the Toledo Blade, and this question is for Dr. Acton. As of yesterday, more people have died from coronavirus in Lucas County than any other Ohio county, even though it hasn't had the most cases overall and is just the sixth most populated county in the state. What is it that's different about Lucas County that is causing this, and should we expect this trend to continue? Hi. So I've, I have seen that. Um, I think we don't know the answer to that yet. I, I do know that there have been some nursing home deaths um, in Lucas. We don't know a reason that I can point to scientifically yet that tells us why um, they have had numbers that are higher. Um, it's very complicated because we don't have consistent testing across everywhere, um, but I think it's something that the local health department um, and others, the hospitals, and there's really like a region and a zone that are looking very carefully at this. And I think over time, we'll understand more if there are regional variations. But at this point, we just haven't had widespread enough testing and a widespread enough understanding of, of, of why a place might have more than another yet. Um, and I think in, in months to come, hopefully we will. That it has been a hot spot. You know, it, we would really have to understand that, that proximity. And I think that's one of the things, as the governor said, it's very hard to think about ourselves in small regions because in this world now we know we're global across the United States and we work across all the borders of our states. So people go to hospitals across, they have family across. I have kids, you know, right across the border into Michigan myself. So so that's why it's so important that we're careful because there really aren't the, the lines on our maps aren't uh, aren't walls and so this this virus is likely to spread and, and certainly can spread quickly um, across borders, but I don't have any evidence of that yet. Thank you. Hello, Ben Schwartz with WCPO. Um, Governor DeWine, I want to ask if um, you know of any plans about when to reopen BMV locations. We've been getting a lot of calls from people who are unable to renew the, their driver's licenses and thus unable to get certain jobs. John. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we actually had a conversation about that just before I left to come here uh, this morning. Uh, it is on the list of one of those things that we are, tr we are trying to identify what services we can push the registrars to deliver services remotely because as you, you may know we were in the process of doing that 
uh, with a lot of our online services prior to hit, heading into this uh, pandemic. So we are uh, going to drive uh, the process to deliver more services online. And then, like we are doing with hairdressers and other things, this is one of our internal conversations we're having about getting that done. Uh, I will have uh, more news for you on that uh, after I, I get some of those things to the governor and we go through them uh, on Monday. Adrian Robbins, NBC4, and my question's for Governor DeWine. Um, obviously, a lot of people are scared of the unknown right now. Some states have chosen to release multiple phases of their plan, kind of giving something for people to look forward to. Why was the decision made to, to slowly roll out this plan instead of laying it all out for Ohioans? That's a very good question. Um, and you know, we're, we're trying to do a little of each. I mean, we're trying to, uh, when we know, you know, next week we should be able to tell uh, people in the restaurant business when they're going to be open. Uh, next week we should be able to tell people in the hair business when they will be able to be open. Um, part of it, though, is not knowing where this virus is going um, and not knowing being able to exactly predict what's going to happen. Uh, I think one of the things that um, we've learned about this virus is it's not exactly predictable, uh, and we continue to learn new things every single day. So we started with things that where we thought, and I've talked about this, but we, we kind of on a continuum where you start with things. Uh, I mean, first of all, things had to stay open that were like food, uh, et cetera. But then into this phase now, when we're opening things up, uh, we, we're doing it on a basis starting first with where we can get people working, but at the same time have, you know, a better control uh, of the environment so that people can control their environment and they can be safer. And as we move forward, uh, you know, we're now getting ready, as I said, to, to look at things where people are working a lot closer, hair. Um, again, Inherently, because people are working closer, you have you have more risk. Now, the question then is how much can you mitigate that risk? But we're trying to, to go from things that are more obvious to things that become more difficult. And we're working our way through. And as I said, the faster we can go, the better for everybody. Uh, but we've got to be able to continue to monitor our numbers. And so we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to give as much notice as, as we can to people. You know, some people have talked about, you know, July, August activities, and it's just we just don't know enough. Uh, we're all hopeful, optimistic uh, that we'll be doing a lot of different things in, in, in July and August that we are not doing now. But we got to take it, take it one step at a time. And, you know, it's, it's the balancing of being safe, uh, at this, but at the same time understanding uh, how important it is to get, to get this economy moving. Good afternoon, Governor. It's Karen Johnson with WLWT out of Cincinnati. I know you just said come July, August, you just don't know enough, but can you give the public at least a glimpse of where you see this summer going, such as travel? Will families be able to travel, especially for us regionally, maybe to Kentucky, Indiana, sports, festivals, anything, just a small glimpse of where you see this going? You know, I think it's, it's, it's not just a question of, of what I see 
or it's not just a question of, you know, what order we issue or don't issue. I, I think, you know, people are going to have to watch where this virus situation is, and they're going to be in a position of, of making making decisions. I mean, w we can deal with some things that are big, uh, and, we're and we're dealing with those where we can get best practices in place, and we can do that and assure people, hey, we're following the best practices. Whatever this is that's opening up, they're following the best practices. But it's but at some point, these are these are very much individual decisions, uh, and the people are going to have to make make judgments on their own. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, do I do I get in the car? Do I take a trip? You know what what do I do? Um, we don't know where we're going to be in August. I, I certainly don't. Um, you know, I don't know what choices I would make for myself in August. Um, so it, I think it's difficult to predict, um, you know, where, where we're going to be at that, at that point in time. We can go Hey there, Governor. This question is for you as well as uh, Dr. Acton. So you both have some seemingly high approval ratings, Governor. You're some of the highest among governors across the country, um, and Dr. Acton's are pretty high as well. But it seems like she's getting a lot more vitriol, um, both from the public and even some GOP uh, legislatures who called her out, basically, for saying she's not understanding the economic impact of her decision. So my question is, first, Dr. Acton, can you kind of respond to some of this seemingly politicized attacks on you specifically? And, Governor, is it really fair for her to get all this vitriol, considering you're the decision maker? I'm going, to, I'm going to start on that uh, because the buck stops with me. Um, you know, I, I, I see some of the tweets. I see some of the things that people write, uh, and that's fine. Um, you know, in, in a democracy, in a country like ours, a uh, state like ours, people have every right uh, to look at a state official and say, hey, you're not doing a good job. I don't like what you're doing. Here's what you should be doing. Fair game. Uh, but I would remind everyone uh, that every member of the cabinet I appointed, uh, and I'm responsible for every member of the cabinet. And, and so for those who, um, you know, want to write something um, about Dr. Acton or any other member of my cabinet, come to me. Uh, I'm the responsible person. Uh, the buck stops with me. I have no problem with that at all. Uh, as far as popularity, um, my wife Fran is uh, pretty wise about a lot of things, and she's very wise about that. And, uh, you know, uh, as we were moving forward and people would say, hey, you're doing a great job, and et cetera, uh, Fran would always remind me that, you know, uh, things, things will always change. Uh, so, uh, you know, this, this is not a popularity contest. Uh, that's not what this is about. Uh, we have lives at stake. We have an economy at stake. We have jobs at stake. Uh, so I don't, I literally don't pay attention to, um, you know, people say you're doing a great job. I appreciate it. People say you're doing a bad job. I understand it. Uh, try to listen. Uh, but ultimately, uh, our job is to listen. Our job is to take all the input. Uh, but I'm ultimately responsible. And, um, for those who, you know, want to say something about Dr. Acton, it's a cheap shot. Uh, 
you know, don't call them her orders, call them my orders. Um, we're going to get through this, and we're going to get through it together. And there was a reason in my opening statement that I quoted Abraham Lincoln. Um, you know, I would just appeal to everyone, we got to come together. Um, this is something where there are people in the state of Ohio who think I'm going much too fast, or some people who think I'm going much too slow. Um, and I understand that, and I, I take that criticism and all the things that they say uh, in, into uh, account. I listen to them. I listen to the criticisms, uh, and I try to try to weigh that. Um, but we got to get this through this together. We can. We can. Uh, we're going to put this economy back. Um, people are going to start working, and uh, we're going to continue to do everything we can to protect Ohioans so we can do it. Thank you very much for the question. Could we possibly hear from Dr. Acton to get her personal response? Uh, thank you, Governor, Lieutenant Governor, and, and thank you for asking the question. Um, as many of you know, I'm an ordinary person who ended up in um, an extraordinary time in history alongside someone I think is one of the most extraordinary leaders that the state will ever see. And, um, you know, we work tirelessly, as Lieutenant Governor said, every hour of every day, um, making the best path forward and trying to get the best advice and best knowledge um, for our governor to make the decisions he does. I've told you before that a pandemic is so much more than the virus. One of the reasons it's a national security threat on the scale of things is because it causes global disruption, societal disruption, and it's a silent enemy. It creates great uncertainty. And when you look at these times in history, you'll see that the pendulum is going to be, it's going to be rocky and it will swing a bit. Um, it, it's not unlike a war, a war on a hidden enemy. And the kind of leadership I think that it takes to help us all stay together, to go above all the fray, but lead us to a safe path is a very special and unique kind of leadership when you have a challenge this big. I think it's dawning on all of us what this challenge is, and I think I see very wise decision-making to try to make the most of the uncertain times ahead. And again, it's an honor to serve. It's an honor to serve. Thank you both. Governor Shane Stegmiller with Hannah News Service. Uh, legislators in the General Assembly are starting to express more and more frustration with your administration, saying you're not listening to them enough when it comes to reopening. Some are even suggesting that they might even want to take some kind of legislative action to either rescind your stay safe Ohio order or even go further and restrict your ability to issue them. Uh, could you kind of respond to that, please? Well, I think, I think they know I'm a good listener. Uh, you know, I read every email I get. They all have my email uh, address, and they all have my cell phone. And I, I can tell you, uh, when I leave here, I'm sure there will be plenty of texts I will have already received and emails. Uh, and I listen to them, and, and I listen to their concerns. And I listen to the concerns that they have about their particular area of the state. I've always said that nobody knows a district better than the legislator. Um, and so... You know, I have great respect uh, for all the members of the Senate, all the members of the House, of both political parties. I welcome their, their input. 
Um, we are trying to do something uh, that has not had to be done in, in 100 years in Ohio. And um, the, the, the fact that there is criticism, I think, is to fully be expected. Uh, we're trying to get our economy moving again, uh, same time protect people. And we'll have people, as I said, who think we're going too fast, some going too slow. I, I, I understand that. Uh, the only thing I can say is that I'm calling it uh, the, the best that I can. I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to consult with members of the General Assembly uh, and, and talk with them. And my, my door is always open and my phone is always there. Uh, so we're going to continue to do that. Uh, but, um, you know, lives are at stake. Jobs are at stake. And we're going we're to continue to make, make those decisions after consulting with, with the legislature. That. Um, I know the legislature isn't in session as it relates to what we're doing, but a lot of their advice is incorporated into the things that we do. I mean, we hear from them a lot. They are doing their jobs representing their constituencies right now, even though they may not be passing a law or a resolution. They are communicating with us. They are telling us what's happening on the ground. I can think of numerous things. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, that I recall, Governor, uh, was, was when we put in place the, the restrictions on sales of alcohol across the Pennsylvania border. That was based on what legislators told us was a problem in their respective districts. And so we react to what they're saying. So for their constituents, they should know that the legislature is doing a great job of expressing their concerns to us. A lot of times, as the governor mentioned earlier, some of them want us to go slower and more cautiously. Some of them want us to go faster. And all of that uh, is incorporated into the things that we do, like the other voices we hear. So the legislature has been very aggressive about telling us what they, they're interested in, and we're, we're listening. And, we, and look, we welcome that. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. No one knows their district better than the, the legislator. Um, and, and so we've, it, it, you know, it gives us the opportunity um, to have 132 people out there who are in their district all the time. Uh, and who can report back if they see a problem. I mean, so much of this never makes the news, and it you know, might not even be controversial, but I'll get a call, hey, we had a problem here. I mean, John's example of, of people from Pennsylvania, our friends from Pennsylvania coming over and, into the stores, you know, that, that, some of that came from the legislature, some of it came from local, local officials. Um, so having eyes and ears out there uh, is, is certainly helpful, and we, we always welcome that. Hi, uh, Marty Schladen, Ohio Capital Journal. Um, this question is for Governor DeWine and Dr. Atkin. I know that you said that uh, you're going to start unveiling testing plans on Monday, but the state is already beginning to uh, ease restrictions today. And I wanted to know how we can know we'll be able to have enough supplies and equipment to triple testing capacity by the end of May. And also, how do you plan to deploy the tests to ensure that you'll be able to detect hot spots as they emerge and take in all the uh, demographic and vulnerable groups across the state. And lastly, uh, do you plan to involve community pharmacies as a part of the testing network? And if you do, how will they be compensated for this service? Dr. Acton, take, take most of that. I was on a call this morning. Um, 
the testing issue. I'm probably on a call every day about the testing issue. Um, kind of recap, I think we made some major progress last week. I want to thank again the two, two former governors, Governor Taft, Governor Celeste. Um, and they continue, by the way, it wasn't just a one-off thing. They continue to work on this and be on calls and, 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 and work. Um, you know, we're putting together, doing a couple things. One is the testing and one is the tracing. And we're very, very excited about it. Uh, we think with Ohio companies, manufacturers, uh, doing a lot of the swabs, uh, at the same time the contract uh, that we entered into for the reagent, uh, which is a long-term contract, which gives us assurance of the future. So that's really why, as governor, I feel good about it. I feel I can see the pathway uh, where we're going to continue to to go, and it's not going to be a, a situation where we just get a bunch of tests in and then we have no clue where we're going. And that's that would be a very scary thing for me as governor. But having a contract with a reputable company that we know can produce this, where the FDA has, has approved what they do, uh, you know, I, I feel very confident about that. Uh, the other challenge with this, as I think you pointed out, is we have to continue to get this out. Uh, we have to make sure it is, these tests are where they're needed, um, and that's, that's very important. Dr. Acton, you want to pick up on that? Yeah, I'd be glad to say that those were the exact right questions and that's a type of strategy myself and other states are having to plot and be very thoughtful about it because as you know we've only been testing the highest risk folks um, and getting that capacity statewide in a really egalitarian way but still you know even in the beginning even by the end of May it will still not be all the testing we wish we had so you actually have to prioritize that and that's why this Monday we're going to go a lot more into detail about that. A group's been working similarly to all the other groups we've been talking about. They're, they're working nonstop. I know they're in a meeting now as we speak because I couldn't be on it because of this. But um, they're working around the clock. And it's not just, it's so many components to testing. It's getting the short supplies, and it's a huge supply chain of things missing. There's the logistics of getting it to the right places in the state. Then there's the deciding how to do it, and especially in these congregate or hotspot settings, whether it's a nursing home or a homeless shelter or any place that's more at risk because people are close, whether it's, as you've seen in other states, a meatpacking plant where you have to have a strategy of it being a hotspot. The strategies are very thoughtful, they're very scientifically guided, and that group is working tirelessly to find the best solutions with, a, once again, all the stakeholders at the table providing input. So we look forward to sharing that on Monday. Uh, pharmacies being, um, are they gonna be, is there a way to pay them? Because the uh, State Board of Pharmacy has not has set out guidelines, but said that they, they're, they don't, they're not laying that out. They're not telling pharmacists uh, how they'll be paid. I will, I will check into that for you because I'm not sure if they are represented. Um, they should be. And I think you mentioned community pharmacies, which is something I'm quite passionate about. Um, and I think, I think what we're really building toward, quite honestly, um, there's another whole piece to this, which is our response side, 
which is this huge partnership at the local levels and then locals with extended regions and regions and zones, which we'll be also explaining more about. But it really is important in each community, it's a little bit different who's at the table. I know here in Columbus, um, we have a, an amazing community pharmacy, um, charitable pharmacies and others, and then the payer mechanism. We also have people um, looking into all of that and the new funding that's coming our way from the federal government. So stay tuned. I look forward to knowing those answers as well. Kevin Landers, WBNS 10 TV. Uh, my question is both for uh, the governor and for Dr. Acton. Uh, the governor, in terms of your uh, your order today. We're getting a lot of emails from people who, uh, who want to know about campgrounds. Uh, when can people take their RVs uh, to campgrounds? Is that allowable right now under your order? And for Dr. Atkin, uh, our seniors are perhaps some of the most isolated people in all of this. When do you think families will be able to reconnect re, uh, with those people who are in the nursing home so that they'll have that time with them? Thank you. Well, I'll start. Uh, John, in, in the order, there is a provision about uh, a certain kind of campground. You yeah. Wanna, you want to take that? I know you're looking at it. Under item 13 in the order, if you look uh, uh, as you go on to page, uh, I think it's on page 6, uh, campgrounds including recreational camps and recreational vehicle RV parks are closed except for those um, residing in recreational vehicles at campgrounds who genuinely have no other viable place of residence other than that campground. And a campground closure also excludes cabins, mobile homes, and other pieces of that. Um, but those, you know, so read through that. You'll see. But really, if you have a, if you have a, if you have a, a leased situation where you have a year-round campsite and things like that and you have a facility there, those are allowed under this order to go back into place. That was one of the things, frankly, one of the things we heard from a lot of legislators and other things. So you'll see that in that provision of the order. I don't need to read it all to you. But there are some aspects of campgrounds that are reopened in this order. And, and the other ones will, will, will come under um, our working group on outdoor recreation. Uh, and so this is, we understand that uh, summer's coming uh, and that people like to get out. And uh, so this, this group will be coming up with, with best practices. Uh, again, I, I, we talked a little bit, I think, yesterday or the day before. Um, you know, people in, in campgrounds, Fran and I have camped a lot, and people in campgrounds, um, you know, can certainly be in their own tent or they can be in their own camper and really not have a whole lot of contact with other people. So it, it would seem to me that the social distancing is, is fairly easy to achieve there. Um, so I'm optimistic about the ability for people to be able to do that. We just got to pull this group together, have them come up with the best practices, and then announce that. And again, this is type, the type thing that we want to do in the next, next several weeks. Reconnecting with their loved ones Thanks. who are elderly citizens. Dr. Atkin, do you think when, how long that will take? Thank you. So this has been probably, for me at least, one of the most heart-wrenching parts of, of this pandemic is that our most vulnerable are our seniors and, and they're most in need of us. And that's another reason why I think the people who are working on the front lines of nursing homes again, are the heroes that don't wear capes because they're trying to be there like the healthcare workers and give them that love. 
one of the trying parts, I, um, my dear uh, friend um, General Harris lost a parent. My best friend Jackie lost her father. Um, these folks have gone through this during this time, something that's already a hard part of your life made worse, and I think about them every day. I've heard from religious leaders who want to visit a nursing home and be there to give comfort. And one of the main reasons behind this was the biggest spike in nursing homes occurs when people come and go from the community and introduce the virus. And we learned early on that even care providers who go nursing home to nursing home were carrying the virus, and that's what we, we've learned looking at this around the world. So that would be one of the things I most hope once we have enough PPE to make those visits safe. Um, and you know we still have a shortage of PPE in our nursing homes. That's why the industry has helped make these standards, um, because we have to at least protect the citizens and the workers there. And we're all bridging that gap as best we can with technology, with coming to windows, with the drive-bys. But I would admit to you, I think that's, these are the things that make these times very, very hard. And that is the risk and why they have those special rules. Thank you. Hi, this is Jesse with the Inquirer. I have a question for either the governor or lieutenant governor on unemployment. My question is, if someone doesn't feel safe returning to work or they need to stay home with children, would they still have access to unemployment through the state or the additional money through the federal stimulus? I'll let John uh, take sure. that. Sure. I'll, I'll take that question. Um, look, as we go through this, we know that people are going to be differently situated. You may be older, you may have children that you don't have child care for, uh, you may have a number of issues. And we have encouraged employers to work with their employees during this transition period. Uh, and uh, while uh, under the rules, if you, you are required to go back to work if, unless there's some health circumstance which could be emitting, there's also mitigating factors to these things, so it's not a hard and fast rule. But, but if your job's offered to you, you're supposed to go back to work. There are a list of exemptions for that. But to the spirit of we're all into this together again, when we've talked to employers, we've asked them to recognize that this is a transition period. And there are going to be a number of reasons that you want to protect people who are perhaps vulnerable, people who don't have that child care, as I mentioned, and you need to be accommodating to those folks. This is not going to be forever. Uh, we have a window here that, that uh, we need to get through. And I believe that, that the, the spirit that has been shown through this by employers, employees, that they will work through this. We have rules in place. We have exemptions in place. Uh, and we believe that they will accommodate most all circumstances. There, there are circumstances where you wouldn't be required to go back to work, uh, but if you don't have a valid health excuse, um, then you would be required to go back to work. 
Hello, this is Tara Morgan with ABC6. This is for the governor. Hello. I uh, wanted to ask you about President Trump's plans. He had indicated that he may be visiting Ohio very soon. And I was wondering if you had talked to the administration about that. And his visits, uh, should it be a political rally, they tend to draw large crowds. How would you reconcile that when kids can't have graduations? Well, I'd heard that the president may be coming. We welcome the president. Uh, I was not aware of anything about a rally. Uh, we've had some conversations with the White House about uh, potential visits sites, but I, I'm, I can't talk any more about that. I mean, that's got to come from the White House. So. Hello, Governor. This is uh, Luis Gill with the Ohio Latino TV. This question is about churches. Um, you know, the churches are anxious. Uh, they could be retail, they could be child care, they provide, you know, can they make some kind of rules or their own capacity um, because they can pretty easy sometimes apply social distance, uh, you know, limited capacity, perhaps tell them to leave the kids at home and the adults come into church. What, uh, what's their, what would you say about them at this point? Well, as you, as you know, uh, churches do provide a lot of different things. Sometimes it's just it's church service, but many times, as you point out, it is, is daycare. It's a number, of, a number of different things that churches provide. I mean, what we have said uh, is, you know, the, the church service, uh, we are not going to tell a church what to do or what not to do. Uh, we're not going to issue any order. Uh, it's a free exercise of religion, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we've also had a discussion, a very public discussion, uh, about, you know, and I've had private discussions as well, about, you know, how churches need to be very, very careful. I know some of them are thinking about starting back in, and some in, are talking about going back in June, uh, and that is certainly their decision. Uh, the only thing that, you know, I we request uh, is... And it's a request, not an order, uh, but that they be careful and they, uh, you know, exercise the social distancing, uh, do all the things that are basic uh, to trying to keep their members safe. Um, you know, the concern I would have in a church would be for those who have a, particularly for those who have a, a medical problem, for those who are older, um, sometimes the most faithful uh it's a generalization, but sometimes the most faithful members of the congregation are those who are older, uh, and I would worry about them. And, and I, you know, just would ask that the churches look out for them and, and take care of them and try to try to you know tend to their spiritual needs w without necessarily exposing them to 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 a lot of people, which may be not a good thing at all for them. Ready to start any open the doors anytime. Okay, I, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear that. I, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Can they start any time and apply all the rules? Churches have never had to stop. Um, you know, again, we, we, we have encouraged them not to have services, and they've been very... Uh, uh, pastors have come up with amazing ways to continue to, to reach out. Uh, they've done it through TV, they've done it through radio, they've done it through the internet, uh, they've done it through Zoom, uh, they, you know, all kinds of ways. Uh, and, and so it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Fran and I 
you know, uh, watch services uh, last last Sunday and uh, had people from all over the country watching our, our friend Father Tom and when he was having having mass um, in in Springfield, Massachusetts. So uh, people are doing amazing things. Thank you, Governor. Hang in there. Hi, Governor. Andy Chow with Ohio Public Radio and Television State House News Bureau. I wanted to talk about nursing homes and, and the issue of people who leave the hospital recovering from COVID-19 who are then admitted into nursing homes. Um, given the current state of nursing homes, would the state, are you thinking about reconsidering that policy or, or addressing that issue in some way? Yeah, I'm going to rely on the medical experts. I'll, I'll refer this to Dr. Acton, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, it certainly is a concern if someone has not you know, is still carrying the virus and could be a spreader. Obviously, it would be of concern if that person went into an environment in a, in a, um, uh, such as such as a nursing home. Dr. Acton. Yeah. Hi, Andy. So um, next week, during the week, we will be talking a lot more about nursing homes. All along, we've had a, a sort of strike team of folks who have been really coming alongside nursing homes um, to deal with issues just like this. It really depends on the facility. Sometimes, you know, a nursing home is that person's home. And and it if there's a the ability to still isolate or quarantine someone in a given circumstance, that can work out, just like any of us coming home and, and quarantining. As you know, many of us, nursing home or not, can't do that for various reasons. We can't have our own bathroom in our own bedroom. And one of the things that is under discussion, uh, both in our state and all around uh, the country and world right now, is what kind of isolation and quarantine facilities should be made available for the mildly ill who can't really do that. And, and, and that's, that's an undertaking um, that I haven't seen addressed here yet. It's not just we talked a lot about stadiums or hotels or other places for people um, during a surge. but we're realizing and we're realizing around the world that there might be a need for other kinds of facilities to be done that help in situations just like you described. Um, but but um, our hospitals and our nursing homes are working collectively together on that. And um, the director of aging, uh, Director Ursel McRoy, she had texted me during this saying that they will be sharing a lot more just holistically about what they do. And she wanted me to also share with you that we have something called ombudsmen um, that are always available. They're still available. Um, they are the people you can talk to with your questions. That was our last question. Week we had a performance by a virtual choir from Tiffin University. Today we end the week with a performance by Heidel Heidelberg University. I also now have a Heidelberg tie on. Uh, also, of course, located in Tiffin. Uh, take a listen to a virtual performance of the Heidelberg University marching band playing their fight song, Go Fight Win.
Heidelberg University. We'll see you all next uh, Monday uh, at 2 o'clock. Thank you.